So as I've been noting uh, throughout the week, and you've probably seen on the website at heartlandcollegesports.com, we are at the Women's College World Series this week. We've got three Big 12 teams in the mix, Oklahoma, of course, along with Oklahoma State and Texas. And we've got our guy, Brian Clinton, covering the tournament down there in Oklahoma City. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, of course, is the show, heartlandcollegesports.com is uh, the site. Brian, let's just start off with this. You know, I mean, as we've been talking to our audience a lot about here this spring, it's it's our first uh, dive into into baseball and into softball. What is the atmosphere down there like knowing that, you know, these games are on ESPN, they're on ABC, it's the biggest stage in the sport. How's it been down there getting a feel for what's to come in Oklahoma City? It is absolutely incredible down here, Pete. I, I I got into the stadium today at about 8.30, and there were already tailgates set up. Uh, not just Oklahoma fans either. There were, there were Texas tailgates set up. There were Arizona tailgates set up. I mean, there are people here from all over the country. The stadium's packed. It's loud. It's I mean, this is, this is a fantastic environment. So that's awesome. I, I love hearing that, especially with softball being, you know, the fastest-growing collegiate sport that is out there. That's pretty cool stuff. So as we get ready for this thing, obviously Oklahoma's the favorite. Jordy Ball, we found out this week, is going to be pitching in the Women's College World Series after she was injured here the last couple of weeks. How does that change uh, the outlook for the Sooners, and how does that change the tournament having their ace back? Well, I think Oklahoma was coming into this as a huge favorite anyhow, and then you add in an arm like Jordy Ball to the rotation, it just makes Oklahoma, you know, just that much more dangerous. Uh, the Sooners can score with anybody, and then, you know, you add in the nation's top ERA, their sub-one runs per game. So, it, I mean, it's just incredible, and I think that uh, having Jordy Ball just back in the rotation is going to make Oklahoma – a team that you know everybody is looking for even more so now. Is there anything that suggests to you that Jordy Ball is somebody who um, maybe is not ready for the biggest stage as a freshman? I mean, we know how good she is, but sometimes you know any athlete gets on that biggest stage and uh, maybe doesn't do what gets expected of them. Is there any expectation that that is at all a possibility based on? what you know and how you've seen her pitch this season and also what uh, the staff has said about her and the, the uh, coaching staff has said about her? Uh, well, if you, if you listen to what Patty Gasso says about, about Jordy, this, this athlete, she is an athlete that, that Patty has never seen before. She's the type of athlete that thrives in situations that, that um, breed a little bit of adversity. I think she kind of eats these situations up. She's so intense in the circle She's just a, she's just different, and mm-hmm. I think that that plays into a situation like this where, you know, the bigger the stage, the the bigger the athlete, and I think that she is going to show up. Um, granted, you know, our, her health being an issue here, um, you know, as long as she can do what she has done all season, if she's if she's capable of throwing the types of pitches that she has all season long, I I think Jordy Ball. Uh, her legend may just grow this week. Is there any suggestion that she's in any type of pitch count or anything like that, or is she full steam ahead? I think that Patty yesterday, I remember her saying that there will be, uh, there there might be a pitch count, but they weren't sure. They said they were still working on that, were her words. Mm-hmm. So um, it's still kind of to be, it's still unseen at this point. Um, but from what I have heard and from how, she has spoken with Patty and with her doctors. 
if Jordy can go, Jordy's going to go. So I think if you turn the reins loose and let her out there in the circle, it's going to be really hard to get her back in. Gotcha. Interesting. We're being joined by Brian Clinton. Of course, you read him all the time on heartlandcollegesports.com. He is down in Oklahoma City or up in Oklahoma City, depending on where you're at, uh, getting ready for the Women's College World Series. So when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners, what what is in the way? I guess who is is in the way, Brian? Of Oklahoma winning the national title, is there a team that you specifically look at and say, well, if Oklahoma's going to trip up somewhere, this is the team and this is why? Who is that team, if it does exist? Well, I would say there, there's two teams. If I'm, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, there's two teams that I would be concerned about. The first on their side of the bracket would be UCLA. They've been to this tournament. They've been to, the, to Oklahoma City, I believe, 38 times now. They've been here. This stage is not too big for them. They're a super talented team, um, and I think that that's a team you should be looking out for. But probably the biggest threat to Oklahoma is actually their in-state rival. Uh, I think the, the Cowgirls are playing some of their best ball all season long. Kelly Maxwell has been absolutely terrific in the tournament. She has yet to allow a run. And get this, she has 41 strikeouts in five games in the tournament. So she has been lights out. I think Oklahoma State is playing terrific softball, and I think – that they are probably Oklahoma's biggest threat this week. And how does Oklahoma State build off of the confidence from winning the Big 12 tournament and and getting that first win over Oklahoma this year? No one had beaten them, obviously, to that point. So how does that play a role in the confidence level in the Cowgirls going into this week? Oh, I think it was massive. Um, Morgan Day was, was in the circle for, for Oklahoma State. And I think that that game alone for her did so much. Um, they have proved to be probably the best one-two pitching combo to this point in the in the tournament. And I think that that was all built off of the win over Oklahoma, Oklahoma back here a couple of weeks ago. So um, I, Oklahoma State is going to be tough. And I think that there's a really good chance that you see those two um, at the end of next week playing for it all. And that's because they're on opposite sides of the bracket. Is that right? Yes. Um, as long as both teams win through the weekend, they will not cross over. But, you know, double elimination yeah. uh, tournaments are, are kind of a beautiful thing. If you lose one, you have to flip over, and, and things could get dicey at that point. But I have confidence that both of those teams are going to do well this weekend. Mm-hmm. Being joined by Brian Clinton. Read him all the time on the site. It's good to have him on the show as he is down in Oklahoma City getting ready for the Women's College World Series. So what else? Oklahoma State, uh, you mentioned how kind of that Big 12 tournament win maybe propelled them through the postseason in getting to this stage. But what is what is that program bringing to the table for people that may not think of them being on that national stage a la, uh, say, in Oklahoma what makes this team unique? What makes them so good? Well, I think Kenny Gajewski has finally built something um, in Oklahoma uh, at Oklahoma State that that is really ready to rival what Patty Gasso has done down in, in Norman. Um, he has said on multiple occasions that you know Patty Gasso has built the standard in college softball, and why would they not try to replicate what Oklahoma is doing? And they've done a really good job of that. I think that they play opportunistic offense. He has made them. Uh, more of a confident team, I guess, would probably be the biggest thing. They have confidence in what they're doing. Uh, they're, they play terrific defense. They have an awesome – I believe they're second in the country in fielding uh, percentage. They are just ready for anything that that, other t- that the opposing teams try to throw at them, and um, they don't walk into a game scared of anybody. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, I think that confidence is probably what, what you see in Oklahoma State that really separates them from most of the, the rest of the teams in college softball. Brian, the Texas Longhorns may be the biggest surprise um, of the Big 12 teams that ended up in Oklahoma City this week for the Women's College World Series. How did Texas do it? I mean, we know that uh, the Big 12 tournament, you know, the middle finger, everything involved there uh, from the coach. <laughs> Uh, you know, they had a tough draw going up to Seattle, but here they are in the Women's College World Series. How did they get it done, and what is the ceiling for this team? Well, I think you go back to Selection Sunday, and you see how Texas reacted to not being a national seed. Um, they, they deserve to be a national seed. They played great softball all season long. Uh, well, for the second half of the season, they just had the – they had the issue of playing in the same conference as two of the best best teams in softball. And Mm -hmm. so I think that people kind of were down on, on Texas. And I'll be honest, whenever I saw that Texas was headed to Seattle, I, you know, I thought, you know, Gabby Plain and and the Huskies were going to be a tough, tough get for the Longhorns, but Janae Jefferson stepped up on offense. And then Haley Delcini just, she has been awesome in, in this tournament. She pitched, uh, the first five games of the tournament, she recorded 525 pitches from the circle. She was a one-woman wrecking crew <laughs> um, for the for the Longhorns, and she got them almost all the way through the regional and super regional play. Um, when they got to when they got to Fayetteville, as as we kind of talked about on the on the site, everybody kind of wrote them off that you know that Texas was done, Arkansas was too good. Uh, even the NCAA didn't have didn't have gear ready for them whenever they did pull off the upset. So um, I think Texas believes in themselves, and I think the lack of that from everybody else has kind of driven them and given them a chip on their shoulder that has really pushed them through the tournament to this point. And after losing that first game against Arkansas, too, coming back winning two straight, I mean, the confidence. Are they? Do they feel like a team? Do they seem to be a team that feels like it's playing with house money, to use the old cliché? Um, yes, a little bit, but on, in the same sense, I I think that Texas is one of there, there's a reason they're here. They are one of the most talented teams in softball. Um, there there is there is no reason why uh, Texas can't make a run through this thing. I, I I really believe that whenever you you look at how they've played the last few weeks, the difference is that Texas is not committing errors. They led the Big Twelve in errors this season. And uh, they had 71 to this point, and they only have committed three errors in the last five games. So if you if you look at how they're playing, they're playing clean softball. They're not getting in their own way, and I think that that's a huge reason why uh, Texas is is able to potentially make a run through this. So when we look uh, to next week and and we get to the championship, Brian, or you mentioned earlier, you know, a bedlam uh, championship is not out of the question. Is that is that your prediction? Do you think we're headed for a Bedlam uh, National Championship matchup next week in Oklahoma City, which would just be absolutely bonkers? Or uh, is there another team that you're thinking, or another two teams that you're thinking are going to end up playing for the title? I think it's kind of crazy to say this, but but a Bedlam matchup would be chalk right now. I mean, I, I think that's kind of what everybody is expecting. Oklahoma State is is 100% the uh, top team in their side of the bracket. And then and then Oklahoma as the one seed actually has the tougher side uh, having to deal with UCLA and Northwestern. Um, I, I really think that if you, if you look at this, 
both of those teams are playing their best softball of the year right now. And I think that there's really no question in my mind it's it's going to be Bedlam for the national title. All right. Now, if, if, if it's not Bedlam, who's the one team that crashes that party? I think, I think UCLA. Um, they have kind of been, to me, they've won games with defense this year, but I think, you know, the old moniker that defense wins championships could stand true there. Uh, they are second in the country in ERA behind Oklahoma. And, you know, it, it's no coincidence that they're here. They, they've been terrific for years. And I think that that's a team that is definitely capable of, of maybe pulling off an upset against Oklahoma and, and uh, potentially sending them to Oklahoma State side of the bracket. And then, you know, you have those teams matching up in semifinals and knocking one of them out. Boy, it's going to be fun to watch. And I admit, um, as I've said on this show before, I really not – Watched a whole lot of Big 12 or college softball for that matter, but the way this thing uh, does shake out, especially in the postseason, as fun as it gets, the double elimination, it's going to be a heck of a weekend in Oklahoma City. Our guy Brian Clinton's going to be all over it, uh, start to finish, covering it for us here at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And Brian, we appreciate you, man, and we'll be following along on the website as the uh, week unfolds. Appreciate you being here, and good luck. All right, thanks, Pete. He's Brian Clinton. Great to have him on the show. Be reading all his stuff at heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, by the way, before we continue with the show, take 30 seconds out if you could. Please don't forget to leave a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It really helps this show in a tremendous way, and uh, that's why we're giving you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail when you leave a rating and a review on iTunes. And subscribe and then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Can't thank you guys enough for doing that and uh, really does mean the world to us. So we'll continue here on the show. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. It's great to have you on board here for the final few minutes of the show. So uh, as we put a bow on things here, I just want to dive into some of the other big news that happened around the Big 12. Jalen Wilson coming back to Kansas next season. The deadline to pull your name out of the NBA draft was June 1st. And Jalen Wilson, right under the gun, announced that he's returning to KU for another year. He will not go into the NBA draft. And he announced that decision on social media about 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday of this past week. So he's coming back to Kansas. Now, uh, on top of that, the other big news, Kevin McCuller. You may know that name from his time at Texas Tech. Kevin McCuller also is returning to college basketball. But he's not going to Texas Tech. He is heading to the Kansas Jayhawks. So you've got a guy. I mean, this is pretty unbelievable. So Kansas, we know, won the national title last year, lost uh, Ochai Agbaji lost David McCormick and Christian Brown. Those guys are headed to the NBA. They also lost Remy Martin, Jalen Coleman-Lands, and Mitch Lightfoot to eligibility. And uh, now they want to reload. And how you do in the transfer portal is in many ways now more important than how you do in you know high school recruiting. It's just the game is changing so quickly, whether you like it or not. That's what's happening here. The game is changing rapidly. All right? So Kansas, yes, is still down from the national championship team that they were a year ago, 
But when you bring back Jalen Wilson and you add Kevin McCuller, that's a that's a heck of a one-two punch suddenly sitting on the KU roster next season. That's unbelievable. And this McCuller, if you don't know, I mean, this guy has uh, not only is he really good, obviously, but he's a veteran. He's played in 78 games for Texas Tech, started 49 of those. He's averaged nine points and four and a half rebounds per game over his career. Last year, he averaged 10 points, five boards, and three assists. He's a complete player, and he's a big reason that Texas Tech was able to get to a Sweet 16 for the third time in the last four NCAA tournaments in Mark Adams' first year on the job as head coach. So this guy was down to Kansas and Gonzaga, two teams that had uh, played in the national championship game each of the last two years, and he ends up staying in the Big 12 and picking Kansas. And this is just tech fans have every right to be annoyed by it, uh, but, I mean, this is this is the world we live in, right? I mean, this is the way college athletics is going. And I don't like it. Not that I didn't want the, I mean, it's just like Tyrese Hunter going from Iowa state to Texas. It's just weird. You know, you think about the old days of the transfers, you know, you transfer, you'd sit out a year. You usually were not going to be able to even stay in the same conference that you were in. And now, you know, I know no one really buys player jerseys for college for the most part. I mean, unless you're like Kevin Durant or Tim Tebow, but let's say you had an Iowa State Tyrese Hunter jersey. You know, now you could have a Texas Tyrese Hunter jersey, and you could have a guy with an Iowa State Tyrese Hunter jersey, uh, you know, sitting next to a guy with a Texas Tyrese Hunter jersey at the next Texas Iowa State basketball game. I know the Iowa State fan would probably be a fool to wear that Tyrese Hunter jersey, but I'm just saying that's how bizarre this is getting in college sports. And as I've talked about ad nauseum, it's too much. It's got to swing back to the middle. It's gone too far in one direction. Not that I don't want the players to have more flexibility, to be able to do what they want to do. And I certainly am all for that, make a little bit of coin. But we have gotten this thing so far out of whack, it's completely out of control. It's wildly out of control. But you know what? Kansas is playing by the rules right now. And if you can get a guy like Kevin McCuller... And I don't know what the NIL deal is for Kevin McCuller, but if you get a guy like that into Lawrence, you bring back Jalen Wilson, uh, you add the star freshman, and why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Grady Dick. Grady Dick, that's right. The great Grady Dick. You add him to the mix, and suddenly you got yourself a heck of a team that Kansas is going to have coming back. It won't be as veteran of a team, but it's going to be a really, Strong team, nonetheless, and maybe along with Texas, the two favorites to win the Big 12 next year on the hardwood. And it's going to make the Big 12 a heck of a lot of fun to watch again. I know that much, which it has been for several years now. The Big 12 in basketball has really been the deepest and most fun conference in America to watch, bar none, in terms of depth and quality, top to bottom, no easy nights. My goodness, it has been unbelievable to watch this league on on the hardwood, and that's only going to continue now. In the next year, I have no reason to believe that it's going to be anything but that. And then you've got these great stories of guys transferring in conference from Tyree Center to Kevin McCuller. And that is just going to be something else to watch here as uh, next basketball season unfolds. Also going to be watching this week, uh, keep an eye on news from the Big 12 meetings. Big 12 football meetings taking place. Uh, we are 
waiting to see what the news is going to be out of there. Not expecting a Bob Bowlesby replacement or anything like that, the Big 12 commissioner. But there certainly will be some news that hasn't broken yet, but likely will uh, at some point throughout the week or the weekend. Because there's a lot of moving parts. you got Oklahoma and Texas, of course, on the way out the door. Um, you've got Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU coming in all next season is the expectation. So uh, there will be news, and also the payouts are going to be announced as well, how much each team is going to be making off TV deals. So we'll get all those numbers here this week, and that's it's an important meeting to watch, not because of necessarily the news that's going to come out of there, uh, but also because of the fact that you're laying the foundation for what's to come in the new look big 12 and i believe that to be incredibly important as well as we go through this process and watch this league shift and change and maybe there's some decision or announcement on how they're going to do divisions if they're going to do divisions and all those different things so it's a fun time to be a big 12 fan you got multiple teams you got half the big 12 starting the baseball postseason this weekend with regionals Derek duke's going to be all over that on the website um, on top of that, you got, as we noted, Brian Clinton down at the Women's College World Series. And then, uh, to boot, you've got the Big 12 meetings taking place and a ton of football and basketball news. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. We are out of time. Please take that moment out, leave a rating and a review. Subscribe. iTunes rating review gets you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me an email with a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M U N D O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.